Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Wool and Spinning Radio. I want to welcome you to this place and thank you so much for joining me this month. This episode is coming to you uh, just before the turn of the middle of April. Um, it was recorded uh, in early April actually and I have the pleasure of bringing on to the show Eve and Rebecca who both um, introduced themselves in the show and, and some of you who are part of the Slack community will um, recognize who they are immediately um, because they're both very very active on the Slack channel and um, are integral parts of the woolen spinning community. It was wonderful to finally put um, a voice to Eve because of course I only um, have chatted with her online and uh, thank you to Rebecca for taking time out of her schedule when she's imminently um, ready to have uh, a baby so if she's had it already congratulations to Rebecca um, so I really appreciate both of them taking some time out of their schedule to be able to record with me and to um, do a word prompt episode because you never really know what you're going to get for the word and uh, how it's going to go based on the last couple of episodes. So the word that we got today was actually really great. It was operational, which we could take in any number of um, directions. One of the things that we spoke about off air later um, in the Slack channel, just the three of us, was keeping ourselves operational and what that entails and what that looks like. So um, if you have any personal reflections about that, please don't hesitate to share those in the Slack channel or on the Ravelry group um, or even um, via comment on this post on Patreon. So without further ado, here is Eve and Rebecca and our chat about the prompt operational. I hope you enjoy uh, listening. So you guys both know how this works. I think you kind of have listened to enough enough episodes. Rebecca, you've done this one of these before. So you sort of know mm -hmm. I generate a word and we chat about it in relation to spinning and knitting and fiber crafting in general. Mm -hmm. um, the first word we got was divorce. So I regenerated. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could talk oh, no. about divorcing ourselves from our wheels, but, um, or giving our, <laughs> our projects a time out, but. I feel like we would run out of a lot to talk about very quickly. Um, so I re I regenerated. I have not had good luck lately with words. I'm just glad I wasn't on the one where you uh, you had the outtakes from. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh sorry. I my inner child is a 12 year old boy. I would not have made it through that. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, we got some good ones that time. I feel like I was like jinxed that time. Um. Okay, so the word that we got was uh, operational, which is kind of neat, um, because I'm not really sure how we can relate this to spinning, but I think there's probably a way. <laughs> so oh, guys, goodness. I'll let you guys think about that for a minute. I'm going to have more of my sandwich. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have an operation. I could talk about that, but I want to hear what you guys think. Do you want us to introduce ourselves first? Or? I guess we could. I'm kind of a bit off today, which you guys know. Um, sure. Yeah, I have Eve and Rebecca here. And um, Rebecca, you've done this before. Do you want to introduce yourself first? Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm Rebecca Osborne and um, Rebby J on uh, Ravelry and Instagram and Skype and pretty much everywhere and Slack. Um, and my blog, you can find at osbornfiber.com. And uh, yeah, that and you have a little much covers it. It is. It's on a bit of a hiatus. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it's going to go anywhere. But yeah, mm -hmm. if you want to go look at old episodes of that, that's uh, A Priest Crafts on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And we've got mm -hmm. Eve joining us from Down Under. Down Under. Many no. of you will know Eve. Aren't you in Down Under? No, you're in the UK. Sorry, Eve. Um, I always get you and Katie mixed Down up. Down Under of the UK. Yeah, totally. Yeah, pretty much like close now. Yeah. I think anybody uh, who's on the Slack channel knows Eve really well. But Eve, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you can, what your username is so that people can kind of put the two things together? Um, okay, I'm Eve. I'm, uh, excuse me, Ollie Cobb. Um, everywhere on Slack and Ravelry. Um <clears throat> I'm the Cornwall Crafter on YouTube. I don't know if that's allowed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I came to you spinning last year. Um, saw your 
was Rachel's uh, podcast and sort of binge watched a load of back episodes and then um, joined in the Slack. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't work due to um, ill health problems, so I kind of live on the Slack channel. So. Mm-hmm. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm still chewing. I'm trying to eat my lunch. Sorry, I haven't eaten since like 6 a.m. this morning and I'm like really hungry. I normally would never eat when I'm recording, but I think everybody understands that we're just sort of in a weird place right now with our Mm. um, sick pup and everything. Um, Yeah, go ahead, Eve. I was about to say, my only beef with it is that I have no peanut butter in the house. (laughs) Because now you want peanut butter, right? (laughs) Yeah. We're like, live, we just live on peanut butter. Oh my goodness. I don't know what I would have done if my kids had peanut butter allergies. I guess we would have lived on well better, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got our word. Our word is um, operational. And um, you guys have had sort of a couple minutes to think about it. Um, and if you have any initial thoughts, please feel free to share. Um, I have a couple of thoughts just because when it came up, it sparked a couple of things for me. So... Um, uh, yeah, we can sort of just jump right in. So we, we need, what, usually what we do with these um, episodes is we, you know, have a random word and um, we're able to sort of think about that word in terms of our spinning and our knitting and our fiber arts. Because of course, there's many people, especially um, as the Slack channel's gotten busier, there's more and more people who, yes, they spin, but they also knit and crochet and we've got a lot of weavers and it's really awesome to see all the different uh, medians that people work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I well, think for sure, like, oh, go ahead, Eve. <laughs> no, 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 you go. I'm just still trying to phrase it anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the Slack channel lately, we've definitely been talking about um, operational issues with our wheels. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's such a huge issue. I remember when I first came to spinning, I would occasionally go to this spin night at the yarn shop that I worked at. And I was just overwhelmed by what great big nerds all these spinners were Mm -hmm. because they knew all these they knew all these words and all these technical terms and all these things about getting their wheels to go because a lot of them had rehabbed antique wheels or what have you and and uh yeah and a lot of people it seems like on the slack channel have had issues with getting their wheels where they want them especially Um, new wheels which is sort of a bit disconcerting it is. It's mm-hmm. sort of, uh, yeah, because we've talked about, like, you know, how buying new wheels is such a, you know, a big part of, you know, our industry and, and keeping mm-hmm. keeping the craft going. And it's exciting that there are all these wheel makers now that we have so many choices. And, you know, even as we struggle with consumerism and all that, we've talked about all that. But yeah, yeah. Um, but then when you get one and you put in the investment and and you're left kind of hanging with with customer service or mm-hmm. um, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> where do we where do we start? Mm-hmm. And I think on that side of things, it's been the same company both times. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sad part is that unfortunately, it seems like the same names and the same companies kind of keep popping up again and again as being um, uh, maybe uh, I don't know how to phrase it, maybe more difficult to deal with or sort of um, lacking in, in answers, um, which I think is, is so frustrating for uh, a community who's uh, generally, like I'm not talking just about woolen spinning in our community, but I'm talking more like in, in the general sense, like the spinning community is so passionate um, and you just squash people's passion when, when you're not um, responding to those, those queries and those concerns. Yeah, because I guess for like the company, it's a product, but for mm-hmm. us, it's something like it's a bit of ourselves, really, because like we put so much of ourselves into all of our crafting. Absolutely. Well, and how many people do you know, ourselves included, who name their wheels? So there's that very like mm-hmm. you know personal attachment. Like I think a lot of people, um, they want to sit down at a wheel and feel like it's the one. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. even if they have several wheels, you know, they want to, you know, when you, especially if you bring a new wheel into your home, like you want that wheel to fit into, if you've got a fleet already of wheels, I, I think there's this sort of underlying feeling of like this, this wheel 
fills a niche in your fleet that you maybe didn't um, that you wanted to fill you know, a specific need for or whatever. It's like bringing a new spindle in. Like, well, why would you have X number of spindles? Well, this one's for this, and this one's this, and they weigh different amounts, and so on and so forth. So when you I bring some it's... of these wheels in, it just is so disheartening. Yeah, it's quite funny, like you say so, because I've, as I said, I've only been spinning for about a year, so I started mm-hmm. off with an Ashford, tradi- an Ashford traditional, mm-hmm. and I actually felt guilty bringing the Krompski into the house. I, was, I, I thought that like my traditional would start holding a grudge against me for bringing this other wheel back. Totally. <laughs> it's like they take mm-hmm. on personalities, right? Mm. Yeah. 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 I remember having that exact same conversation with Katrina because she started on a traditional and she felt so guilty about getting her sidekick. And we talked about it for so long. We were standing in Fibers West two years ago and, you know, she was, she just felt so guilty. And we talked and talked and talked, mostly her like needing to to talk about like why she would you know justify this wheel um and it's so funny because um i think you we have these like loyalties to our wheels right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is a nice we were talking seg- and yeah it's a nice little segue i got the Kromsky um because the traditional was off to the side you know it's got the flyer on the left oh yeah and yep. due to my uh, operational difficulties, shall we say? Um, <laughs> I needed the Kromsky because the the flyer's dead ahead, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I wasn't sitting twisted. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's super important. Those ergonomical issues, or else mm-hmm. you just break yourself. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're spinning for hours and hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What were you going to say, Rebecca? I have to remember it now. <laughs> Such mom brain, hey? That's yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, well, we were talking We were talking on Slack a couple weeks ago about, about how having a wheel, it's not quite like, like being married. It's more like having a roommate. Oh, uh, totally. I like that. Because you're, you're kind of kind of stuck with it. But but kind of not, mm-hmm. and it's 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 awkward, and and you don't really know what you're getting until you live with it for a while, and you don't really know if they're gonna do the dishes like they say they will, and <laughs> and you know it's, it, but it, you know at least they don't leave their underwear lying around, but they, <laughs> but they take you know they take work, they take um. It's hard for me to know sometimes when to when to give up on one, mm-hmm. um, because I I've gotten I've gone through phases with my my Ashford traditional, which is essentially my only wheel. It's my my by and by and by far my main wheel, mm-hmm. and uh, I've gotten gone through phases with it where I was just so frustrated with it and I didn't know what to do with it, and I was grateful I had access to other wheels so I could kind of put it on timeout until you know, my father-in-law came to visit and said, can I just glue this back on for you? And I said, oh, you can do that. And so, <laughs> so he did it and then it was fine. Or, you know, I find out that I've been using the wrong drive band material for years mm. um, or that, you know, I just had to tighten something up. But I don't, because I don't have necessarily access to a spinning group that I could go to and show them the problem and ask the questions, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's an accessibility thing of a different sort. Or, you know, if you have a disability and you can't, like, get down and dirty and fix this thing, yeah. you know, keeping them working is just, it's not simple. No, it's not. It's, not. It's, it's, a, it's a complicated relationship that you don't have. It's frustrating that you don't have more control over it when you don't have more control over it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing, like, it's actually... I, ironically, my dad was an engineer, but I was raised with no DIY skills whatsoever. And I I find me, like, the Krompski has got this really creaky treadle, treadle bar, something Mm. to do with the treadles. And I find myself going, well, how does this thing go together? How can I pull this thing apart? And and it's sort of, it's actually teaching me DIY skills as well as spinning. It's Mm. really weird. But... Yeah, that persistence to figure it out because it's a machine and it should be fixable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But sometimes, 
sometimes it just seems like this magical, mysterious thing, and it's just so intimidating. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's, it's like with knitting, I got to a point where I just understood my stitches, and I understood how they worked. I understood how to pull them apart, how to reconstruct them. You know, you get to that point where you understand the engineering of what you're doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like wheels it's it's not in our it's it can come into our purview just by persistence but yeah it yeah it hasn't been a natural thing for me either I think some of the newer wheels too like the um you've sort of got this whole other thing going on with some of the older wheels that are sort of more antique wheels and I put that in quotes because some of them aren't that old but they have antique uh properties to them they've used antique things um um, to construct them in terms of like, you know, the, um, engineering of it. But then you've got these new wheels that have a lot of stuff that has the potential to go wrong, you know, 3d print, 3d printed wheels, uh, like drive wheels, you know, and if they're not glued properly, you've got Mm -hmm. problems. Um, you've got, you know, different, um, um, engineering in terms of like, you know, playing around with how some of the stuff works, like, various different brake tensioning, um, mechanisms and, um, you know, sort of, uh, they're almost like little, I always think of them as being little Frankensteins, some of the new wheels, because they're taking from all these different aspects of other, uh, stuff like, you know, bike, you know, quick release bike tires. So the quick release, uh, mechanism, you know, putting that on a wheel and t- taking, you know, 3D printed objects and putting them on that kind of stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. like it, it isn't necessarily stuff that was engineered to be used on a spinning wheel or for the spinning wheel, but it sort of works. Um, and some of it does make the wheels have nuances that wouldn't be there if those things weren't on it, does that make sense? Um, like some Absolutely. Of them are, quite, yeah. are quite complicated for, for, to be able to do what they do. Like the sidekick, for example, it can fold into this tiny little thing and be put into a, into a carry bag. But to be able to do that, it pirates a whole bunch of stuff from, from like, you know, quick release, uh, tires on bikes and different various things. So then when you set it up, like, you know, your ba- your maidens need to be perfectly perpendicular to the ground and they need to be perfectly parallel to one another. And like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of makes it just a little teeny tiny bit more complicated than it maybe otherwise would be. But then I wonder, because mm-hmm. like you look at something like the um, the Great Wheel or, or like the old, old spinning wheels, they look a lot more simple than I think they actually are. Yeah. Because... You know, you've got like what looks like you've got a wheel, a bit of string, another wheel and a stick, essentially. Yeah. But like it's all very precision engineered mm-hmm. for being mm-hmm. a wheel, a bit of string, another wheel and a stick. You know, there's there's a lot behind it that you you don't think is there because it just looks deceptively simple. And I often wondered mm-hmm. if or I, I often wonder when I see those photos, if those wheels were maybe not as smooth and as easy to use as as we sort of maybe think that they were um you know i think i have this image in my mind of these spinners that were just so expert in what they um did and what they were able to do that um they must have been just so incredible that that maybe isn't necessarily the case like the the equipment was maybe quite rustic in a lot of ways I well, I I would disagree with that a little bit. Just I'm I've got two antique wheels, and both of them have had their issues that um that I've had to deal with over the years. But because they are simple machines, mm-hmm. um, you you do have your your issues. You can only have so many issues with it. Yeah. It's like you can have alignment issues, you can have slippage issues, but you can you can identify what they are because um, they're simpler, right? And you, you can usually, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they're just there's there's fewer moving parts. There's just right. fewer. There's only so many parts, and you can replace them because it's like this is a stick, you know, a footman. It's like <laughs> my footman was too long. I sawed off the end of it and drilled a new hole in it, and it was fine, right. you know, and. 
Um, I think like with any wheel, when you just spend a lot of time with it and really get to know it and use it a lot, mm -hmm. um, it it's just happier. And I think when you start multiplying, multiplying um, mechanical factors, like when you have more pulleys in there or more things that fold and that have to be adjusted just right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't fold my CPW worth anything. It's just a giant wheel. It just sits there and maybe I can like wibble it a little bit so it's aligned better, but it ain't going anywhere, you know, yeah, whereas totally. if something has to fold, you're not just multiplying mechanical factors, you're multiplying how each of those factors interact with each other. So it's like exponentially increasing the number of potential problems you could have exactly. mechanically speaking. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's although just to be awkward I could say things like from the opposite side like my the flyer on my traditional was a pain every time I had to change the bobbin because you had to have the maidens just right mm -hmm. when you mm -hmm. put the thing back in whereas now on the Kromsky you pick it up you change the bobbin put it back in and it's good to go yeah so, yeah the, the I saw my traditional are... so I know exactly what you're talking about yeah the Kromskys are are um are sort of um um, deceiving though because they use a lot of the old technology so they're very like you know they they would be considered modern wheels with an antique twist um, because they are very simple and they you know they use some of the, that old um, uh, technology I guess for lack of a better word um, you know so they're not using some of the new stuff that is on some of the newer modern wheels um, so I would almost put them in like a class of their own because I, uh, you know, I, I actually really have come to really respect the Kromsky wheels. I didn't like my menstrual very much when I had it, but now I kind of regret selling it because I think I would have grown into it um, because there is a certain simplicity to those wheels that makes them work really well. Um, so in some ways they're almost kind of the exception, not the rule, if that makes sense. That would probably explain why I get on with it so well then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're really great little wheels. Like, they're great wheels. They're not actually that little. Like, they, there's all sorts of different sizes and shapes, but um, they, they're just great wheels, you know. It's sort of like the lender. Most people can kind of get along with it because it's so simple, you know. Um, it takes the modern sort of styling and, and keeps things very, very simple. My one complaint about the lender is that you only have scotch tension. You can't do anything else with it. Um but that is partly why people get along with it so well, because there's only one knob to turn, you know. Mm -hmm. So whereas like with um like if with some of the other wheels, like some of the Kromskys and like the Shacked Matchless and stuff, you know, you you can set them up in double drive or Scotch tension, and that it complicates things um, until you sort of learn more. So yeah, sort of interesting. Um, yeah. But my initial thought on the word was um, keeping myself operational. Mm. Yeah. Like I think it's so easy to say, "Oh, we're just sitting spinning," yeah. um, and and sit there for hours, and then you stand up and you, you're okay, and then the next day you feel like you've just been hit by a train. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's, as I said, the reason I sold my traditional was so that um, I wasn't sitting twisted because my my problems are spinal. Mm -hmm. um so being able to sit dead on to the orifice and and spin straight has just been like so much easier that you still have to remember mm -hmm. to take a break mm -hmm. and to stand up and to stretch and to move and to um you know just do something else for five minutes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's actually one of the reasons why i stopped doing um Spinzilla, why I sort of bowed out this past year, and I probably won't do it this year either. I find by the end of the week, I just feel like I've been hit by a Mack truck um, because you're spinning as quickly as you can, and um, it's really hard on my back and my on my upper back and my shoulders. Um, you know, I find by the end of the week, like I am just so sore, mm. and it's not really worth it, you know, for me, anyways. Yeah, I, I wondered if it was something to do with them. Um the more management side of Spindler, but that's interesting. Oh, well, there's that too. Yeah. 
<laughs> talk about hmm. operational problems. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to go into all that. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's also hard if you're doing, I guess, for Spinzilla, there's some of these. It seems like a lot of people do a big woolen spun project. Yes. And and to do what, not just so much spinning, but to do one kind of movement. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, and with woolen, with, with worse, it's nice because I can just sort of rest back in the cat couch and, you know, just use my wrists and eventually my wrists will get sore or something, but it, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, with woolen spinning, even, even when I'm just doing 15, 20 minutes a day, it's like, I'm kind of torquing my, yeah, my body around a little bit every single time. And yeah, that would, uh, several hours a day for a week, that would really, that would throw me off. Absolutely. Yeah. It really is like a, a labor of love that week because it's, um, mm-hmm. like I've done it several times now and, and every single time I've been like, you know, halfway through, I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you end up, I mean, the the nice thing about Spinzilla is you end up with, with a huge quantity of yarn at the end. Um but I also think when you've been spinning for a while, once you get sort of a few years under your belt, do you really need that big quantity of yarn done so quickly? You know, I've got sweater quantities of hand spun yarn that I haven't knit with yet. Do I really need another one done so quickly? Probably mm-hmm. not, you know. I don't know. The idea of blasting through a couple pounds in my stash <laughs> a week sounds really nice. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, getting, yeah, yeah. Like stashing down some of that stuff. I have to agree with you there. Um, yeah. There's yeah. A, a UK version starting up now called Britspin. Oh, no way. Um, and we are spinning during our sort of British Wool Week um, in October. Cool. Um, and I thought, you know, I've signed up and I'm now on a team and um, the, um, I'm going to use it as an excuse to sort of really get into one of my fleets. All that prepped over the course of the year. So I'm ready to spin that. Because then even if I turn up with, like, 200 yards of yarn, I've still got a fleece prepped. Yes. Mm-hmm. It gives you a goal, too, something to work towards, you know, where you're, you know that you're, um, you've got this deadline where the fleece has to be prepped by, mm-hmm. which would be mm-hmm. really good motiv- motivation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it some year. Uh, it's just, at this point, my husband would have to take off a week of work for me to do it, so... Well, that's and you're not, gonna have it. You're that gonna doesn't have make a lot of sense, yeah. right? Yeah, six month old yeah. crawling around with wheel. Having a having a brand newborn is great for crafting, but then once yes. they are asserting their opinions, it's like all over. Yeah. Check back yeah. in a year. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was very much how it was with with both of our kids. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Well, I was thinking mm-hmm. about operational from like a like a management standpoint in terms of like operations, um, you know, managing the wool and spinning community and, um, you know, the Patreon stuff and, um, organizing the, um, um, you know, the, the live streams now that we're doing them twice a month and, um, after we hit that milestone, milestone. Yeah. And sort of what that, um, how that sort of affects our home life and affects me and affects, um, those around us. Yeah, it's well going to be guys. a full-time job in itself, isn't it? No, it it was for a while last year because I was getting the hang of it and I was sort of trying to like figure out um, what it was all going to look like. And you know, I um I've had quite a few people contact me and ask me that aren't a part of the Patreon community. So this is people outside of um, wanting to know like how I run my Patreon and how we how I do the campa- campaign and like how I've sort of done all of that. And, um, it's, it's sort of a hard question to answer because there's a lot that has gone into it over the time. And one of the biggest things for me has been trying to figure out how, especially the Patreon tiers, um, how that all works and what works for me and what works for the community and sort of what, how that all sort of shakes out. And that took about a year and a half to sort of get that to a point where I was really comfortable with it. Um, and once I got that sorted out and sort of because I kept changing the tiers for the first little bit there um mm-hmm. and then once I got that all sorted out it was almost sort of like um and I took a page out of my husband's book because he kept telling me you need to do some forecasting and you need to figure out what you want to have accomplished by the end of this six months the end of this year the end of next year that kind of stuff 
And once I sort of started doing some of that stuff and actually like engaging in the operations side and actually engaging in like the sort of running a small business mentality and not just looking at it as a hobby, um, which I sort of had to work out in my mind, like where does one end and one start? Um, it's actually settled into a really nice flow and rhythm in our sort of month to month, week to week life. And I look forward to the time that I have to sort of for my quote unquote office hours um, while Nora's at school to work on stuff. And then once That's the blue great. moon, yeah. And then once in a blue moon, I have to ask Mike if I'm not working on a weekend for some time to get some stuff done. And it's usually because it's something a little bit bigger that I'm working on, or um, I need to do some some writing for the book that Katrina and I are working on. So like I needed to do some of that this past weekend. Um, that's hard to get done within, you know, a finite period of time. I find as soon as I have like a finite period of time to write, I can't write. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, the creative juices kind of, um, dry up, but yeah, so that was sort of, um, what came to mind for me because, um, I'm very much sort of in the, uh, in the center of all of that. And, and also, um, learning when, um, as the, as the sort of the leader of the community, um, when to step in and when to leave things alone. Um, because you know, there's, it's only happened a couple of times, but there's been a few times where, yeah, two times that I can think of right off the top of my head where, um, and they were both on Ravelry. They weren't in the Slack channel where I sort of, um, felt like I needed to step in and sort of, um, ask people to cool their jets a little bit. And, um, there's sort of that side of, of, um, of it that, you know, we don't think about very often. Bendles at dawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not being uh, the trolls. Cause I get trolls every so often on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Don't <laughs> respond. You just can't respond. Yeah. I mean, did you see this happening when you first did your first podcast? Did you see this, um, mm -hmm. like woolen spinning sort of being what it is now? No. Oh my goodness, no! That You've first time it? I turned when that first time I turned on the camera, I figured I would do. It was a great way to like document what I was learning in terms of spinning and and all of that kind of stuff. I never thought that I would turn it into like an amateur podcast in a million years. No, no. And You've if somebody it, asked me, I would have said no. You know, that's an well, awesome I, yeah. question. I don't know. I don't know. Knowing what I know now, I honestly can't answer that. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, right? I think about, I think about, uh, just how, how crazy a role you've ended up in. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot because, um, managing a community and, and, you know, shepherding a community, it's like, I of course want to relate it to what I do as a pastor. Yeah, it's like, yeah. For it. It's like you have to, you have to manage like your own presence and like how much of yourself do you share and how much do you, mm -hmm. you know, try and be discreet? Like I know what it's like to have to think through all those things and it's yes. really great for me to have a place where I don't have to do that. I just have to say, <laughs> I can just let my hair down. So thank you for doing that. So I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and so sort of, you need to decide whether you're going to be, cause I've, I, do you even have mods in the Ravelry group? Do I have what? Moderators. Uh, just Katrina. Just Katrina. Because, I mean, yeah. it's sort of, do you want to be the over-controlling, this is my group, yeah. dominating yeah. type? Or do you want to yeah. be the kind of wishy-washy, let everything hang where it fall type? Or, you know, it's sort of managing that very well as well, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what you've managed to do is just set a tone that people just respect, and it doesn't seem like I maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like you have to do a whole lot of um hand holding or you no, know no. discipline or anything like that because people just know this is a this is a group for for respectful grown ups and mm -hmm. absolutely it, that's yeah. part of what makes it very easy to be there. 
Yeah, it's really quite amazing how well people can moderate themselves when they know that they're in a group that it wouldn't be tolerated. Because I have a sneaking suspicion, I might be wrong, so I might be taking a totally wrong pulse on the group, but in both the Slack channel and on Ravelry, I get this feeling like people know that if they say something that's really insulting or if they kind of get, um, uh, if they're not being, if they're not checking themselves, I guess is maybe a, a way of putting it, that they're going to have some pushback from the community. Because I don't actually think that it would necessarily come from me immediately just because I don't, I'm not on the boards and on Slack um, as much as I would like to be. Um, I, mm -hmm. I just have this feeling that there's this sort of underlying self-regulatory um, uh. feeling that people know that we're there to support one another. And that has to come from a place of kindness and creativity. Um, I've never come out and said it before, but I feel like people know that. <laughs> I might be I, wrong. I might get a whole bunch of comments on this on this radio episode, and people are like, "I didn't know that." Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I, I think I'm, had to. I'm one of the youngest people, I think, mm. um, and for me, coming into the community, it's been a case of here are adult women. They're not gonna tolerate me acting like a child. Mm -hmm. uh, they might tolerate a bit of childish humor but you know in the right places and at the right time but there's just none of that kind of teenage schoolyard yeah. bickering that I mean and if that had been the case you wouldn't have seen me you know because yeah. that's the sort of community that I think I want to be a part of this and if anyone like you say self-regulating I know and yeah, I'm a gobby mare when I want to be, but I definitely would have had something to say if someone came into this sort of childishness and, mm -hmm. and you know, sort of causing trouble for want yeah. of the best expression. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I would have had something to say. I can think of a couple of other people that probably would have as well. Absolutely. I can think of several off the top of my head who would have said something immediately. Yeah. And I well, think it's that's not like nobody you... ever said something upsetting or, you know, no, it's yeah. not like there's never a crosstalk. It's just that people know not to react exactly. for the most part. And I think that's if what... someone if someone has upset someone else, it's not done deliberately. It's maybe a foot and mouth moment or, mm -hmm. you know, just not understanding that something may have a bit of a uh, trigger for someone else. Yeah. Um, and then like people that's the case and they'll take that person quietly and say actually you know this is mm -hmm. why this hasn't gone down very well and then the person in question sort of goes oh my god I'm so sorry I'm so sorry um yeah. because they haven't meant to come in and cause trouble yeah yeah absolutely I think too um when you have a natural curiosity for something and and you um and other people are coming with that natural curiosity um, I don't know about you guys, but I know like when I post a question in Slack, I'm genuinely asking for people's opinions and all the different uh, places that we come from with ideas about whatever it is that we're asked that I'm asking or that somebody else is asking. And I think it's kind of neat that everybody's able to share their own ideas around something or, or um, answer a question or, you know, um, I post something and I've said something maybe in the show that somebody's like, oh, that didn't work for me, but hey, think, you know, maybe think about this. Um, when you're coming at it from a, a place of genuine curiosity, I think it's almost easier to share um, controversial opinions or like opinions that maybe don't don't everybody doesn't agree with, because it's more from a place of um, maybe you can articulate this better, Rebecca, but like from a place of um, of of just curiosity and wanting to gather information and and um, sort of look at look at a problem or a situation many different ways does that make sense absolutely yeah. yeah well I mean I think there's two two different kinds of questions that people ask online people ask when they're genuinely seeking information and advice mm -hmm. and when they're asking for sympathy you know there's so many times like especially on on Facebook because I'm also a big Facebooker where I'll just need to you know vent about something and I have to be careful how I phrase it because if it sounds like a question, I will get all kinds of advice. And it's like, no, I don't want advice. I just wanted a pat on the head to say it's going to be okay. I'm really sorry you're having a bad day. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's, you know, that's that's been another thing that has been good on the Slack channel is people seem to know, um, you know, 
when when it's like you know you can you can I can be honest yeah it can be honest and just be like I'm having a really lousy day and you know not necessarily be like well have you tried this have you tried this have you tried eating that have you tried going and exercising or whatever it's like no you you don't always need that you just need like I'm really sorry you're having a a bad day and Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to to know that there's a safe place that you can get that. Oh, um, and and not that we complain a lot, because no. I don't think we do. Um, the, it seems there like is a, a it place for that. Yeah, I yeah, think also yeah. um, people, like we can look at different sides to the same thing and not get offended because we know that everyone has their own perspective on it and everybody's Mm -hmm. coming from such vast backgrounds in terms of like where they're located and um, cultural backgrounds and ages Um, we've got some men in the group um, and I think that all of that to combine makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. Um, you know because it just brings so many different perspectives so you almost sort of, when you ask a question, you almost sort of expect you're going to get a myriad of answers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's perfect. I mean, I know I've like I've had conversations with Rebecca about what she does, you know, her ministry and and all this, that, and the other. And I've I've probably asked some rather rude questions purely because I'm just not very eloquent at times. You but... you keep thinking that, but you really haven't at all. You've asked perfectly <laughs> reasonable questions. It's but, great. Yeah, I love your like, question. So what does this do? Okay, and I'll ask her something just totally like um, priest related. And mm-hmm. I keep expecting her to turn around and go, Evil, you're just sod off. <laughs> <laughs> well, so often people don't ask, you know, yeah. they just sort of are like, well, I guess this is weird because you're different. So it's sometimes you just got to ask the awkward questions and then you have a great conversation about it. Absolutely. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely come from a background where like, cause you know, because of what I do in my sort of career job, we have to broach some pretty awful subjects and some really uncomfortable subjects and subjects that people don't deal with in their day to day life. And, you know, it, it just, it always amazes me when the, um, as a, as a healthcare team, we ask families, you know, some, some really tough, difficult, awkward questions how the family responds, like um, even a family in crisis can come from profound um, uh, sadness and have this conversation where you're watching the family and they're trying to piece together the answer and they're looking for to each other for a strength and well, you know, and, and, and validation that what they're saying is in fact true about their loved one. And, and, um, and somebody will say something and they'll make a comment about like, you know, um, their loved one's, um, personality or they'll, you know, joke about something and all of a sudden they're laughing and they're half crying, half laughing. And it starts off super awkward. And then all of a sudden it, as, as the family, I mean, the family's awkward. Um, it starts to sort of open up all of these avenues and they start sharing with us about the person's life and things in their family and dynamics. And it, it, when it happens, um, it's really amazing to watch because there's all, and all this stuff comes out and decisions are made and a really difficult conversation and really awkward. Um, it becomes a a time of, for, for, because of the type of nursing that I do in the area that I work in, of course it becomes a place of what starts to be the healing process. Right. Mm -hmm. And people just, shy away from that they shy away from those difficult conversations the difficult questions um in my context of course it's a place of usually mourning and grief but it doesn't have to be it just happens to be mm. yeah because you're yeah. trauma yeah. rather than yeah. palliative aren't you yeah i'm trauma am i i so i work in a trauma icu um but i've got 10 years of of emergency um that's my background um and um um, I'm a certified trauma nurse, but I've, I've, um, I now work in a general ICU, but we happen to be the trauma center for the province. So we basically what we do is, is, is big trauma. Um, but that said, my master's degree is in end of life. So, um, I sort of come, uh, from, um, a, a slightly different perspective because, um, um, I have a genuine interest in palliative care and end of life and how we do end of life in critical care because we do a really, really terrible job. Um, and we try to do our best, but we are, we have a long way to go. So 
yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's that's my day job yeah no it's just that <laughs> i'm i'm a or still kind of i'm i'm a writer oh, so okay. i've been in situations where you know someone's come off a horse smacked their head into a, i think it was a brick wall Mm-hmm. Um, and she unfortunately passed away because she had um, a blood clot or a bleed or something. There was something wrong with her. Like it, she passed away from it. Basically, I don't know what the technical. Um, and I yeah. just remember the nurse in question just being so kind and so supportive mm. of this family at the worst time. Yeah. Um, and it's people like that that really stand out. Like I'm sure, like mm. the families that you've had to, you know, talk to, even like five, ten years down the line, will still remember you. Mm. And it yeah, is... they're in such crisis. It's 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 just such a terrible time, right? Yeah, and they deal with us at the bedside, like they're interacting mostly with the nurses. So I think we do have a potential to make a huge impact for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's got to be so humbling though to be part of that. Though. It's got to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of learned. It, you know, we were talking about asking awkward questions and. I learned that in maybe a less serious setting that yeah, was yeah. as a, a, just as an anthropology major, I, I remember my, my breakthrough with that was when I was doing this homestay um, with a, with a family in Mexico and, and trying to, you know, be a participant observer and, and get to know the culture. And I was just so nervous about doing the wrong thing just all the time. And which was the silliest thing because my Spanish was pretty good and and my roommate was just this really loud flamboyant did not care what anyone thought sort of person and you know I would just sort of be there like oh my gosh why are you doing this but she broke open those conversations to be like well why do you do this thing this is so weird why do you do this and and we would laugh and we would learn. And eventually I, it took me a long time to figure out that if I don't ask the awkward questions and like just get out there and make mistakes, like I'm not going to learn anything like the, that, you know, if I, if I don't, it, the, the way I was approaching things, the best possible outcome was that I would be unobtrusive and unobjectionable mm-hmm. and that, that's incredibly boring. <laughs> so, you don't learn a lot that way, do you? No, you don't. You don't learn a lot. And it doesn't actually cure the anxiety anyway. Yeah. So, I'm not sure what that has to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> I don't think it really matters. We've had a really yeah, good conversation. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's been good fun. I was really nervous, actually. I was sat there at, like, quarter two, just like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny because there have been a few people that that have hopped on Skype with me for various things over the course of doing the Woolen Spinning Radio. And uh, there's been quite a few who've said after, oh, I was so so nervous and I didn't know what to expect and everything. And it's so funny because I... Like, I totally get that um, from, you know, the couple of times that I had done Skype stuff with people in the past and sort of not knowing what to expect. And I think what I've learned over time is that we're all just human. You know, we're all we actually all have so much more in common than we than we maybe realize. It's not just the spinning and the knitting that brings us all together. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually have lots and lots and lots to share with one another and lots to talk about which is really awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nice. Yeah, but having those lot. opportunities, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say it's go nice on, that, um, like being able to speak to you guys over Slack beforehand because otherwise it's like, oh, yeah. you know when you walk up to a podcast and they're like, I know so much about you, but you have no idea who I am. Yeah. Like kind of <laughs> yeah. weird kind of relationship that two people have. Um, so I think like for me, cause obviously, as I said, I've watched every episode that you've done, Rachel, and obviously I've listened to Rebecca on the, on the, uh, the Will and Spinning radio before. So yeah. like, um, being able to actually like have an, uh, a proper conversation with you beforehand is, is, I think I'd be a lot more nervous if I hadn't been able to do that. So mm, really yeah, cool. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Penetrating that barrier between being an online chat or, or being a forum setting to to actually having a conversation is 
that's that's a big leap. I mean, it's just socially, it just is a big leap. And so having those opportunities is really meaningful. And mm-hmm. um, because yeah. we are all just people, Absolutely. like you said. Oh. Yeah. And it, I, I remember the very first time that I asked Becca, actually, to who's Bethy Forty. Everybody knows who uh, Becca is as well. Um, she because she's been sort of around since the beginning. And I remember the first time I asked her if if we um, could chat on Skype one one afternoon. And I was I was super. I know she was nervous, but I was super nervous because that's a huge leap of faith from me to reach out to somebody in the community to say, hey, like, do you want to chat? Um, you know, you're sort of, it's almost sort of like the kid on the playground asking the other little girl, do you want to be my friend? (laughs) You know, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a huge, you know, those are huge, like leap, you know, leaps of faith that, that other people are, are even if they don't want to meet you halfway that they can turn you down in kindness. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, and it's neat because I, I do feel, um, like some of this stuff has actually really helped us to get to know one another a lot better and it's sort of I hope beginning to bring down some barriers around like um people getting to know me better too because I think that's Mm -hmm. important as well yeah well I mean that is I think exactly what we need in an age of of digital long distance relationships and that that's what makes it that is what makes this more than just another forum it because we have that you know I can say like oh these folks are my friends Cause, yes. cause, because you've been taking those extra steps to, to make sure yeah. we're actually connecting um, yeah. really and not just, you know, hiding behind. You know, we can't hide behind our usernames all the time. And um, No, and I don't think that we should. And I don't think that's what we should be teaching our children because then there's this air of anonymity that they um, that they aren't, that what, what they present online isn't really them. And I think that's part of really responsible digital parenting, which is, is a whole other conversation around teaching our kids that who we present online needs to be authentic and it needs to be you, you know. But at the same time that not everybody online is doing just that. Exactly. And that not everything has to be shared online in terms of our personal lives, right? I think it's that like, yeah. I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm talking from a theoretical point of view. But I think for me, it's like if you wouldn't tell your friends this in a, in a group setting, don't yeah. don't tell it online. But I think the yeah. other thing is, is that because you're not talking to a person, you're talking to a computer screen, you say things that you probably wouldn't say or you put things in a slightly blunter um, mm. context than you normally would. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, you know, you might just say, oh, well, you know, God, she looks awful in those days. But you wouldn't say that to the person's face. So why would um, online? And yeah, I think they're I mean, sort of remembering that there is actually a person behind that keyboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And using, yeah. using your, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I learning like, how to penetrate that. Yeah. Sorry. Just learning how to penetrate that barrier. I think for me, a lot of times it wouldn't even occur to me to take that step to mm. um yeah. push through and be like you know let's actually connect so yeah uh, yeah learning to do it that has been awesome con- it takes a lot of conscious thought doesn't it like you know because it's mm-hmm. so easy to just sort of have these these friends that you chat with online but it's all done through typing um and i know this is so silly you guys are going to laugh at me but that's okay i laugh at myself all the time I get sick of typing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. There just comes this point where I'm like, I just want to talk to someone. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have like this thing, like if someone's texting me, I will give them three or four messages. And then if it's going to be a conversation, I'll them and just be like, yeah, I can't be bothered to type to you anymore. But I think like just finally, like from my point of view, I, I do a lot of my social interaction, like 90%, 99% of my social interaction is done with a keyboard. Right. So it's actually yeah. really nice to sit and have a conversation with someone to yes. so actually just sit here and, and talk. Uh, yeah. But it's also sort of reminding me of social manners, like not interrupting, you know, mm-hmm. just basic mm-hmm. social skills like that, which people are losing because it doesn't matter if you interrupt on Facebook because you're not. Totally. Yeah. You're asynchronous. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's actually one of the things that I would love to do with the woolen spinning community is to like eventually that these like Skype dates and stuff and Google Hangouts can do it with up to 12 people where you mm-hmm. could actually have like an evening spin in where everybody's like 
sitting on their wheels spinning, but we're also hooked up to our webcams. Have a and look. You can at actually this. see people. Have it's a look at a website called Zoom. Because I'm actually. Oh, you know, I was looking at that. Yes. I am actually yes. part of a virtual midnight, and we can have yeah. more than twelve. Um, okay. And yeah. you just basically you just dial in. You're on your webcam. You can go onto your phone or your iPad. You can chat to one another via sort of messages, or you can, you know, just. You don't have to have a computer screen. You can just be audio. I mean, it's it's really really good. Um, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I was looking at it, so I'll look at it a little bit more in depth because, um, yeah, it'd be nice to have more than more than uh, a dozen people. Although, I like to start really small with stuff because I get really overwhelmed when there's like 20 people. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think that would be really cool. But that would be, I mean, how awesome would that be? Like once a month to have like a spin in, it'd be so much fun. Yeah. I'm cognizant of the time because I have to go pick up Nora and I have to pick up James. Um, but I just want to thank you both so much for taking the time out of your day to be here with me. Um, and you can give Martha an extra hug, Rebecca, for being such sure. an amazing little toddler in the I'm sure she's enjoying her. I heard her. Yeah, give yourself one for me, Rachel, though. Yeah, thank you. And yeah. your family. Because, I mean, that's going to be hard on the kids and Mike and everyone's. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, Mike is, yeah, it's the hardest for Mike and the kids are sort of trying to understand why mommy and daddy are so sad. So, mm. um, it's sort of, you know, trying to explain things to them and trying to, uh, um, uh, bridge some of those, those conversations and also just to figure out what the next couple of weeks is going to look like because, um, we've got about two weeks with him. So we're just trying to figure yeah. out what what um what that's going to look like so yeah because sometimes that's yeah that's the worst part is that you know it's coming and it's like that kind of yes. dreaded date because i mean i've got yeah. this i mean my old boy is 11 now um, okay. and this yeah. is sort of starting to become a bit more real for me um yeah. and i think i'd just rather him go you know i just absolutely yeah you know or oh you know there's nothing we can do we need to put him down here now Rather yeah. than have to sit and wait for it, you know. So yeah. I can't imagine what that's like for you. So yeah, just yeah. Our big talk. thing is, of course, we just don't want him to suffer. So as long as he's a happy boy, we'll we'll uh, he'll be okay. Like today, he just loved going to the groomer, and Miranda is such a she. They used to live across the street from me, and and like they they know our dog. She knows our dogs really well, and we know her really well. And they just moved. Um, but you know, he knew her and of course her tail's wagging and he wants all the love and you know, he's prancing around like he does and <laughs> it's nice to see that side of him. So anyhow, I need to let you both go. So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Well, and, thanks for inviting um, me. It was, um, yeah, I was quite oh, honest. I'm so glad it worked out. Yeah. Thank you to both of you mm -hmm. for, for taking the time. Yeah, I will see that. you both. I hope. Yeah. I hope I see you both tomorrow in the live stream and, um, we'll, uh, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. As long as things are going well over here. And as I hope uh Rebecca, when is your due date? Uh Thursday. Yeah, I thought it was coming up. Okay. <laughs> well if I don't talk to you, I yeah. hope everything goes well and you know very you're much. holding in there. Sorry, I was I was just expecting yeah. you to tell you how to go back yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, well, in a couple of weeks we'll be like, I'm ready for yeah, it to be done. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Remind oh, me why I did this again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Every time I'm in labor, I say to Jared, we're not having any more kids. Just <laughs> later, obviously, I got over it. <laughs> well, I hope you uh, have a really wonderful week, both of you. And um, you. I will hopefully chat with both of you tomorrow. Yeah, you will. Okay. I'll have to come and nag you about your camera angles. Oh, yeah, totally. I need, I need you to moderate. <laughs> that made me laugh because right. I got to that one late and I finally watched it back yesterday and then my name came yeah. up. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was missing you, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good luck. All right, you both. I need to go. So I'll, I'll chat All with right. you both soon. Yeah, I'll catch okay. you later, guys. Okay, bye. 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 Thank you so much again to Eve and Rebecca for taking the time out to record that episode. Until next time, I hope you get lots of spinning done and um, that spring is springing wherever you are. And if you're down under and it's uh, fall, I hope that you're not getting too chilly or too cold. Anyhow, have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful week and a beautiful April and May. Until next time, happy spinning.